This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we look ahead to Back to Bates Weekend with Senior Associate Director of Athletics, Celine Cunningham. And we look back on the women's cross-country team's third straight main state title. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Last week, Bates student athletes and coaches welcomed sports attorney Janet Judge to campus. Her presentation touched on a number of topics related to sports law, but she also focused on social media and how schools and student athletes can work together to make it a force for good. Well, Janet, tell me a little bit about how you first got interested in sports law and maybe what's your favorite part about, you know, practicing and talking to colleges as well. Um, well, I was a, a student athlete, and uh, after I was a student athlete, I stayed on uh, and I was uh, assistant athletic director at Harvard, and part of my job was interpreting the NCAA manual. And after a little bit, I I, uh, I sort of thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go to law school because it can't be any more difficult than interpreting the NCAA manual. So, right. and I, and I found federal and state law is a little bit more straightforward. So it was the right thing to do. How do you start first going around talking to colleges like this? Um, I, I I have kids, and I uh, I really thought. We don't do a, a good job of giving um, high school and college coaches the extra sort of information that they need to be able to run their programs in, a, in an effective way. We, we hold them to high standards with regard to student-athlete welfare, well-being, um, a lot of things that go beyond X's and O's, and, but we don't give them that training. So um, I just thought, I have that information, why not? share it and I, I just love working with coaches and student athletes. Yeah well last night you presented to our student athletes and then today you presented to our coaches and staff. When you're going through creating those presentations what are some points of emphasis that change kind of from you know presentation to presentation? Yeah so it's been really interesting. I do a lot around social media so uh, you know I go back to badjocks.com which I think many of the people that uh, I speak to today don't even know what that was all about but you know that was a website dedicated to embarrassing student athletes and their coaches um, and so it was time back then where the, you know, the thought process was everybody shut down all social media, stay away from it. And now in social media with student athletes, we've evolved to the brand ambassadors and what can they be doing to, to help uh, programs. So my, my presentations are constantly evolving um, as well as the, the national dialogue about the role of, of college sports. And so I, I try and draw from... You know, I'm obviously a sports lawyer, so I try and draw from the cases that I'm involved in and I read about nationally to provide uh, schools, student-athletes, and their coaches effective tools to navigate the, the current process. What well, some of your observations about our student-athletes here at Bates? Yeah, I was, I was uh, you know, I come in at night after they have been going to school all day and then practicing, and some of them, you know, gra- grab and go to come and uh, uh, sit with me. The student-athletes were early. Um, they were engaged. They... Uh, uh, they couldn't have been um, kinder to me. I was, I had a great time last night. I was thrilled to be there with them. I hope, I hope they, uh, they felt it was worthwhile. But it was, certainly was worthwhile for me. And last question for you: You're about to present to our cap, some of our captains here. What's going to be maybe a change in this presentation? Um, this is an opportunity to have a smaller group so they can talk to me about what's on their mind. So I have the opportunity to share with them some of the things I'm seeing nationally, but they can share with me some of the things that they're concerned about. And it's talking about. 
also their leadership role and and especially a place like Bates that means something uh, they are they have an effective voice and how are they using it so that's what we're going to focus on all right Jan Judge thanks so much thank you very much the men's cross-country team finished runner-up to Bowdoin at the main state meet on Saturday and the women's team won its third straight state title led by senior Katie Barker who finished third among all main runners. But it was a strong effort from every Bobcat, with the Bates women claiming five of the seven spots on the All-State team. Senior Wendy Mamishian earned her first career All-State honor, and she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Joined by our female Bobcat of the Week, senior women's cross-country runner Wendy Mamishian here on the Bobcast. And first of all, seventh in the state of Maine, 12th overall, your first All-State honor. How cool of experience was this for you personally when you crossed that finish line? Did you realize you were All-State at that moment, or when did you find out? I had no idea when I crossed the line at all where I was, um, but it was amazing to finally feel like the work I was putting in was being rewarded, and it was my first like real hardware that I got for running, so that was a big moment. And uh, it's the first time in the history of this meet that five out of seven of the top seven runners were Bates people, so it was a big moment for the whole team. Yeah, obviously the team did really well. Um, your your fellow senior, Katie Barker, led the way. Uh, tell us a little bit about her because she's kind of emerged the last couple of years as one of the you know, big-time runners for the team. Yeah, Katie's been amazing. Her dedication to the team has been incredible, and she came in having never done cross-country before from high school, um, and she had had some, like, knee surgeries, so she was a little worried about it. And, I mean, look what happened. Like, it's been amazing watching her the four years that we've been here. Well, speaking of that, when did you first start running cross-country? What's your background in that? Um, I started my sophomore year of high school starting cross-country. Um, I had played soccer before, and then when I switched to track, I started doing more running. And cross-country is just an amazing sport with, like, the woods, the whole aspect of hills. There's, like, track, but just, like, way more. I just find it more interesting. Um and there's so much of a team aspect as part of it. Like, with a small-knit team like the cross-country, you, like, always have a family there and people, like, a, an incredible support system. So that's a big reason why I've continued with it. Bobcats like to run in packs, of course. Who are you running with throughout this meet? I was running a lot with Sarah Rothman, Tara Ellard, um, Hannah Austin was there, and then Aiden was right behind me the whole time. So we had a really big group for this meet. As our first 6K, we really tried to help each other keep going. Right, because you kind of gear up towards the 6K, and so yeah. what's that training process like for you? Um, so this year especially, it was a lot of like what, like each week got a little bit longer. So it always is a little bit scary having like gone from a two-mile race all the way to a 6K in a pretty short amount of time, but... Um, Jay trains us very, very well, and everyone was happily surprised at the end of their 6K by how well we were ready for that. You mentioned, you know, as a senior, you've put in a lot of work. You got that All-State honor. What's been the process like since you were a first year here to now in terms of your running, in terms of your development, how, what you've been working on? Um, so when we come in as a freshman, Jay really works on making sure that we, like, slowly move into that long mileage, which is really important because it means that none of us really get injured. There are other teams that, like, everyone who by the time they're at the end of their season they're all be wearing boots and uh, none of us really get stress fractures or anything during our season so a lot of it is just like really getting there but an, an also a big part is like mentally just like having that support system makes a huge difference and like freshman year you come in you're nervous but by senior year you know that like if you have one bad race you can come back the next week and just like make up for it in a million times over so I think that's the biggest thing that we've gotten over the four years. This particular meet, I mean, it was the main state meet, but there are other schools there from outside of Maine as well. Um, what was that experience like to have them come in also? 
Um, honestly, it was really helpful, actually, because it just meant that we had more people nearby to really help us push ourselves. So there was a Brandeis girl who was near me the entire time, and she really helped me actually get a better time because even though she wasn't counted in the main state meet, I got to push with her, and she pushed me back. So um, we really both helped each other, I think. And I, although it was different than all the other years, I think it was in a good way. And this was at Bowdoin, right, mm -hmm. in Brunswick. And so what was the course like? Because I understand it's also where the regionals are going to be. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Um, so that's why they had it as a 6K for yeah. the state meet. Um, it's going to be where regionals is. But um, this is known as, like, one of the flattest courses um, in the NESCAC. So it's really nice to have that as compared to Pineland, where we're sprinting up hills pretty much the entire time. So um, it was just, like, two loops of well, two times of the same loop, and um, for me, that's really helpful, knowing that there's not going to be, like, a huge struggle up a hill is really nice for me, and it just made it so much nicer when you entered those um, little areas where the woods were. You got to really, like, have a little bit of silence from the crowds. I love Bowdoin Course. I think it's great. So where do you think you're going to be headed? Are you going to be going to Wisconsin or to Bowdoin again? <laughs> I'm going to Wisconsin, which okay. I'm very excited about. That was a big push for me over the summer for training. Um, I'm so excited. I love traveling with the team. We always go, like, a day early, and we get to, like, see the sights around there. Um, and I've never been uh, to the Midwest, so this is going to be exciting. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, speaking of that, you're from Massachusetts, right? Yes. So how did you first decide to come up here to Bates for college back when you were searching for schools? Um, I really had no idea where I wanted to go for school, but my mom actually came to Bates, so um, I'm a legacy. Um, <laughs> so that was a big push. And then um, when I was choosing between the schools I got into, Bates just was the most friendly place I've ever been to, and you could tell there was a community right when I got here, even for that one day, and that made all the difference. Um, it's just a school that... It, no other schools like this. So how thrilled was your was your mom that you were coming up and following her footsteps? She tried not to show it while I was choosing, <laughs> but when I chose and I was like, I really need to come to base. She was like, I completely get it. <laughs> so she has the whole like base legacy hat now. She comes to every meet. Um, she'll be here this weekend. She's so excited. Excellent. Um, and then, well, what have you been studying while you've been here? What are you? What's your major? Um, I'm a bio major and I'm on the pre med track. Okay. Um, so. Lots of science classes, lots of labs. I've spoken to runners before. They've said that running really helps them kind of relax almost compared to the stress of the classroom. Is that the same for you? Um, yeah, no, for sure. There's so much, like, it's just a different mental stress, but it's in a way where, you, like, you just get to worry about, like, can I make it up that hill instead of, like, studying for a test and really worrying about, like, learning everything. It's so nice to just relax, get out, go onto the trails or like the river path in Lewiston. It's so much nicer to be able to do that than just sit in the library after classes. So this weekend you're getting off then, is mm -hmm. that correct? So it's back to Bates. So how exciting is that for you to, is that typical to get the back to Bates weekend off for cross country? Jay always makes yeah. sure we get the back to uh -huh. Bates weekend off. And it's very exciting because we're having Catherine Cook come back. Mm -hmm. um, we're having a whole bunch of people who graduated return. Um, and it's just really nice to be able to see everyone, be with their families, and a whole bunch of like teammates will uh, go out to dinner together with families and stuff. So it's very, it's very fun. All right, Wendy, thanks so much. Congrats again on being our female Bobcat of the Week. Thank you so much. The field hockey team upset number five nationally ranked Babson on the road in overtime by a final score of 3-2 to two on Wednesday. Junior captain Grace Fitzgerald scored the game-winning goal for the second straight year against the Beavers. 
The win marks the sixth straight time Bates has defeated Babson, with the last four wins coming with Babson ranked as one of the top ten teams in the country. Unfortunately, Bates did not take the momentum into the weekend, falling 4 to nothing at number 18 Trinity. Bates looks to get back on the winning track this Saturday when the Bobcats host Connecticut College at noon. The men's soccer team earned a double overtime victory at Trinity on Saturday, defeating the Bantams 2-1 on a game-winning goal from junior captain Peter Bakken. He assisted on an Austin Sansone goal earlier in the match and scored the Bobcats' lone goal in a 2-1 loss at Amherst on Sunday. Bates is ranked ninth in New England, and Peter Bakken is our male Bobcat of the week. We had a lot of pressure on their team, and so they were trying to clear the ball out of their end, and there was just like three different times where our guys won it back and just dumped it back in. And eventually the ball fell to Morgan Dudney out on the right, and he cut it back and crossed it with his left to the back post. And there were two of our guys there, and they both did a good job of fighting for the ball. Um, And so it just fell to Liam, who then was, the goalie came out and he shot it, and the goalie saved it, and it just fell perfectly opportunity for me of just empty net and so I tapped it in and then our bench went a little bit crazy which was always fun with OT winners game over yeah the celebration there in the corner that's always a good time right yeah our coach was the first one to the corner flag he uh I'm not sure I've seen him move that fast all year <laughs> and speaking of coach shake you know what was he telling the team maybe after perhaps even the Amherst match I mean another close one there of about what's going to take to you know have a strong week this week leading up to Connecticut College uh, we all just need to focus on doing the little things better. Against Amherst, we gave up a f- goal on a flip throw, which we all knew going into the game was where Amherst is really dangerous. So it was really disappointing that we did that, especially two minutes after they scored. Um, but just like regrouping, get our getting our minds right again, and just focusing on the little things. I thought your assist against Trinity was pretty impressive, right? You had to slide tackle the guy to get the ball back, and then you, you, did you see Austin up ahead? Well, take us through your visualization of that play. Uh, yeah, that was actually kind of funny because I made a pretty bad play in giving the ball away, and so then <laughs> oh, they had a dangerous <laughs> counterattack, and then I tried to make up for it by getting back and tackling the guy. Um, and so then it just worked out. I saw Austin was making a run, and their center backs were split pretty wide, and Austin was making a run between them. And I played it through, and honestly, I was surprised that he got there because the center backs had a big head start on him, but Austin's a fast guy, so he uh, just worked his butt off and made it there and then just tapped it in, which was awesome. Terrific. So back to Bates weekend coming up. Uh, that obviously, a lot of things always going on on campus. What are some of your memories of back to Bates weekend? It's always nice because our alumni oftentimes come back from, so like our seniors or captains from previous years come back, and so it's always great to see them. They're always in the crowd cheering everyone on, and that's really exciting. And then oftentimes also kids' families from out of town, like my family from Seattle, my parents are flying in. And so that's always really fun because you're playing for like a greater Bates community. Are you getting a lot of excited texts from alumni and stuff because the team's off to such a you know solid start this year? Yeah, everyone's really excited. Everyone's <laughs> so committed to just making this team better every single day. And it's really the legacy that the kids left behind of, I know when I was a freshman, our seniors and our captains, they came in when the team had had an 0-10 NESCAC season. And so they made a huge impact in just shifting the culture of the team and starting to build it. And that's why we're successful now is the work they put put in and that everyone has put in over the last 10 years. Terrific. Obviously a tough opponent this weekend, right? Con College, you've played them in the past. What type of style do they bring to the table? Uh, they definitely like to play, which is awesome for us because they're going to try and get the ball down and uh, move it. And we like to uh, 
we like to fight. So, like, we are very excited to get stuck in defensively on them and shut them down and then hit them on the counter, and it should be fun. Should be fun indeed. All right, Peter Bach and Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The football team led undefeated Tufts 14-10 at halftime behind a Christian Sanfilippo touchdown run and a spectacular touchdown catch from junior Cody Greenalch. But the Jumbos shut out the Bobcats in the second half, defeating Bates by a final score of 47-14. Coach Malik Hall breaks down the team's third game of the season. Fifth quarter here on the Bates Bobcast with the head coach of the Bobcats, Malik Hall, talking some Bates football. And first of all, you were leading there at Tufts at halftime, looking to spoil their homecoming. Tufts took control a bit in the second half. From your perspective, what changed? You know, at the end of the day, I think, again, you know, that made 34 days of us knowing our team. And on the 34th day, I thought those guys played very hard. I think that's the consistent deal that you'll see from our Bobcats is that they play extremely hard. Um, but closing the margin in the second half is continually um, our Achilles heel, whether it be from depth, experience, um, either way, it's something we got to figure out how to fix. And it's, it's hurting. It's hurting because, you know, going in the half winning, you think you would think that's enough juice to kind of carry you through two more quarters and make it very interesting in the fourth. Um, but again, I think that's easier said than done. I think everybody, uh, on that football field, our team and their team, they coach and they practice as well. Um, so their second half adjustment was, uh, again, for the third week in a row, um, better than ours, bottom line. Um, and for our young guys to understand that they are switching gears from everything we practiced all week, it's very difficult to do when the bullets are flying. Um, and the game is on the line. I think in theory it's cool to say, hey, we're switching gears because they're switching gears. Um, and to identify that they're no longer throwing the ball because we picked them off, we hit them a few times. Guys, they're running it with them. I think that's easier said than done when you're talking sophomores and freshmen who see a four-wide offense and the quarterback drop back as if he's going to pass and then he runs. I think what you see initially is right now what you believe, um, even though the hidden key in that visual is telling you it's not passed. But being able to see hidden keys, um, to understand the avid flow of a game, of what a team wants to do versus what they're able to do, um, I think that all comes with experience. And, and I think you can teach it, unfortunately, like, we're trying to teach every piece of this puzzle along the way. And certain things we're just not going to get to. Um, and and it's, it's very evident right now that everything that we're not able to teach, it, it, it comes up in a game. Um, and though every coach would say, hey, you, you got to teach it, it's, it's so many things we got to teach them in so little time. Mm -hmm. And every time that that surfaces in a game, that's the teaching moment in itself. Um, you just sometimes hope that the teacher moment isn't the defining factor in winning or losing. And because the teacher moment of adjustments are so subtle enough from another team that a player has to know that they're making a subtle adjustment to how they run their offense. And right now, 
Um, we just don't have enough bodies to adjust along the way with them. And we don't have the endurance to play at the level that we play at in the first half, partly because we don't have the bodies to come in and double down on that effort, double down on that execution at the level in which the other team is playing at. Um, when there's a significant drop-off because of experience, talent, or fatigue, tomato, tomato is all the same thing. Um, just like I'm constantly telling our guys, it's not one player that wins a game, and it's certainly not one play that loses it. It's a, collect a collection of plays that lose or win games. And unfortunately, Tufts had more collection of plays to win the game than we did. Well, there was a play that Cody Greenalch made uh, for a touchdown there in the back of the end zone, a leaping catch in traffic, and it's hard to see on the web feed that I was watching, but it looked pretty spectacular. Take us through that. Yeah, I think it was a spectacular play. I think Cody, being a dynamic athlete he is, I mean, he's a, a heck of a basketball player, so his, his athletic ability and space and hand-eye coordination is, is just in his wheelhouse of what he does well in basketball. Um, because he's a guard in basketball, he's constantly handling the ball, and he has to have body control to get in and out of dribbles and sets of offensive sets for the for basketball. Well, in football, getting vertical, getting in and out of a cut, that's coming off a pick for him. But more importantly, when you throw the ball in the air, it's alley-oop for him. Um, so being able to lock in the ball through traffic is him throwing alley-oop or catching alley-oop or running a fast break and having to make a layup still with people following you. I think that that intangible from basketball is priceless in football. I think you constantly see time and time out again NFL players who convert from basketball to football has an easier transition when you're asking them to do athletic attribute uh, things. Um, opposed to physically dominating things. So right now we're not asking them to go crack a Mike linebacker, or for that matter, be in the trenches, down blocking on a defensive tackle. That's not, that's not, you know, that's not going to play into the attribute that he does naturally. Um, but he certainly has a way to go get the ball. He has a way to make you miss. And for a kid who who probably closed the door on his football career. Um, I think the energy and the juice around our program made him want to come around. And once he came around and he saw energy is infectious, you see us play with a, a great amount of energy in the first half. That same energy that infected him by him just hearing and watching allowed him the confidence to say, Coach, if, if you'll take me, I'd love to come back. Um, we took him back. He proved to his peers that he was here to stay. He didn't play for the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, we made them run our conditioning test just the same um, because we didn't want anyone to feel like they got an easy pass. And we didn't want any of our teammates, though he's a good player, to say, well, he's a good player, but he didn't finish what we had to finish. We wanted him to be a bobcat, not a, bo a bobcat by circumstance. Mm -hmm. And um, he's done a great job in, in being patient and letting his role develop slowly um, as a receiver. Um, but I think he did a great job in getting open a few times. It's clear Costa feels comfortable throwing it to him, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think our quarterback needs confidence as we continue to move. Um, you know, barely putting up points three games in a row. Um, it's tough on our offensive staff and our offensive players. More importantly, 
the guy who drives the offense, which is our quarterback. So not being naive and not wanting to um, put too much pressure on him and too much blame on him. Like is, however, but is the quarterback situation? Is the quarterback position? Everyone's gonna love him when he does something well, and everyone's gonna hate him when he doesn't. The one thing I want him to know is that the love in the program doesn't change based on your performance. So we still love him regardless. Um, but as a personal as a personal goal of his, he's not happy with his performance, and um, he just needs to know that we love him regardless of his performance. But we still want to win, and we still want to be competitive. And right now, there's a lot of pieces around them that are getting better. Um, but right now, getting better, unfortunately, doesn't mean that we put up a ton of points yet. On the other side of the ball, uh, we keep saying the other Costa, but he's not really at this point. Anthony Costa started the year as a third-string safety, and now he's playing, and he had another interception. Right place, right time again? You know, man, the beautiful thing about injury is it also creates opportunity. And much of much of the reason why I don't, you know, uh, like hamper on injury is part of you you find some beautiful things with someone getting hurt and find some beautiful people who who rise to the occasion and rise to the opportunity. You know, being a third string safety, you certainly don't think you're going from five plays a game to ninety. I think that transaction alone is difficult. But you talk about a kid who is just embraced all of it uh another pick that we thought was going to turn to six um a great a great great experience for for our defense and for him again to gain more confidence in those battles with good teams at the end of the day the goal is to get the game in the fourth quarter i think we got the game in the fourth quarter but not in the not in the fashion in which we want it to be um, I think we're looking forward to be striking distance in the fourth quarter, not just say, oh, well, we got to wait for him in the fourth. Uh, I'm looking for us to say, hey, we'll play away again. Um, and right now we've, we've been short of that goal since Amherst. Um, but the goal, number one, is to play hard. Uh, unfortunately, playing hard is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, and I think we're doing that as best we can. But having an execution, a high level of execution with a high level of effort is where we have to uh, get better at. So after watching the tape, who are some other guys who maybe stood out who were top performers for you this weekend? You know, I think Yanni, who, number 77, who had a very, very tough week against Trinity. I mean, that defensive front is tough. Um, and it didn't help that Tufts had a tough defensive front as well. I thought he brought everything that he could bring to that game and to right his wrongs from a week before. I thought he he got four to five knockdowns on defensive linemen. And more than anything, I'm just so proud of him and for him that he was able to recover for his confidence, for the trust around him, around him in him, and just to see the offense, to see a guy show true grit. Grit is not what you look like when you perform well. Grit is when you perform well, what do you look like the next snap, the next game, the next year? And I think the next game after him getting hit in the mouth was he fought back, and he fought back at a high level. So I'm, I was certainly pleased with him. I was also, you know, again, our captain, you know, Harrington played very well, um, along with Johnny Lindgren, who, again, 
who's been a junior carrying a senior load. Um, and, and we and we're continue to find more guys as we go. But again, we're at we're a little bit over 35 days and knowing each other. Yeah. And the one thing that I don't want them to ever miss in translation or in transaction of games is is that. And, and with us continuing and knowing each other, we can continue to call better plays for our personnel. And not only that, they can continue to execute the plays that we call. Uh, but that comes with chemistry. And right now, chemistry is the one silver lining that we're hoping to catch through all of this heartache. And I think adversity will allow you to build chemistry and and build some solidarity for each other to know, like, hey, guys, we're in this together. Hey, I got your back because you got my back, and I will be my brother's keeper, win or lose. Whether you graduate and come back for homecoming this week or not, I'm still your brother, and I keep my brother through all adversity. Brothers are built through adversity. Friends are built through joyful moments. You know what I mean? So uh, we start off at friends. And we hope to create a kinship of brotherhood at the end of this. You touched on homecoming. Back to Bates this weekend, your first back to Bates. You hearing from a lot of alums already, I'm sure? Yeah, I, I think the alums are very pumped. I spoke to the alums this, this past week in Tufts. We had an mm -hmm. event out there, um, which was a beautiful event that, that Stephanie uh, Dumont put on. Um, I think as we continue to grow in developing our program and developing our kids and developing our alum, it's our hopes that that all becomes one heartbeat, right? The program, the alum, and the and the players in the program all beat on the same heartbeat. When when we're all hurting, the program hurts, alums hurt, and players hurt, and coaches hurt. Just as when we're winning, which we're going to do, everyone experiences that win. Um, now is to reel it in in that standpoint of wins developing our kids, developing our weight room, developing our facilities, developing our football program that they can be prideful in and that they can see. It's, it's, it's called mental messaging and reminder, right? The mental messaging right now is getting lost in our lack of success over years. We want to create that mental messaging because though it was losses, there were great men that came through before them. There's a number 20 jersey that someone wore in the 80s that Joe Freight does not know. Now, what if the number 20 was almost identical to Freight? That's a kinship that they already have through Bates College. But we want to bridge that kinship. And I think Alumni Weekend, Homecoming, Back to Bakes, all of it does that. We want to be able to capture that lightning in a bottle in every moment that we get. And by doing that, I believe that it'll give our guys a a pride piece on the field that they know I'm playing for number 20 in 1985, who came up and shared with me his heartache. Number three, Costa, or uh, number four, Costa, is playing for number four who played in 2002, who was the third string safety or who became a starting quarterback by coincidence or by injury. Like, like that kind of stuff empowers athletes. And it certainly helps with the psyche when you realize the hurt travels much deeper than just you. So it makes you play for something bigger than you. It makes you play for not just your stat line, but for every stat line that didn't make it to their senior year is a winner. That's the stat line we're playing for, to be winners. 
and that everybody who didn't win will win through you. Like that's him. That's powerful. But we have to create that bridge. And the only way we can create it is by time um, and opportunity. And right now, time is what we have lack least of. But opportunity, you can create. We can create the opportunity. To preview all the excitement of Back to Bates weekend, we caught up with Senior Associate Director of Athletics, Celine Cunningham. First of all, Celine, this is your first year at Bates. What's the experience been like so far coming here? Um, you're not, not having to worry about coaching anymore, so is that, has, has that helped the transition a little bit? It's uh, weird not coaching, but uh, yeah. you know, really excited to be here. Such a great group, and uh, the coaches have been great. I, I, I see myself as the coaches of the coaches, so necessarily I don't have at student athletes, but I have coaches, so um, they've been really, really welcoming, and uh, I really enjoy um, my time here now, so far. What appealed to you about Bates to make you decide you wanted to you know, put in for the job? You know, NESCAC school, it's a, you know, first and foremost, it's one of the best athletic conferences, somebody that works in athletics. Um, then I, you know, dug in a little bit and found out what Bates is all about. I really love their mission. I love the idea that it's a really inclusive environment. I love working with high-achieving student-athletes, so you have the best of the best right here. And, you know, as I was interviewing, we were, you got, and I, I, I say we, um, but I wasn't quite here yet, but, you know, going to the national championship for the rowing, and it really excited me. Um, so, I'm really happy to be here, and I want to make sure that I'm I'm kind of part of that, you know, continued success, and hopefully, you know, especially this weekend, getting some W's. Yeah, so back to Bates weekend, what are you most excited about uh, some of the events that are going on? It seems like there's everything going yeah. <laughs> on. I'm excited to see the alums back on campus. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to Tufts last weekend and uh, saw so many alums back um, and I, it, it's just great to see that school spirit and that connection and talk to some of them about their experience at Bates. Everyone I've ever talked to about Bates, whether I was interviewing or since I've been here, just really love their experience. So it's good to see that. Um, and then, you know, certainly the parents coming back. And, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to some W's. I'm a really competitive person, and <laughs> I, I want to see, uh, you know, some success this weekend. Yes, yeah, so your background, obviously, you had women's lacrosse coach for many years. You played at Maryland, which is one of the great powers. In, in women's lacrosse. How's your background as a head coach? You touched on this earlier, but how do you think it really helps you with your current role here? Uh, you know, I was in their shoes. I, I you know, I just had a meeting with uh, some coaches and, you know, talked about one of their challenges and I experienced that challenge. And so um, just trying to understand that and trying to make it work and trying to, you know, make their path a little easier. They have, a, you know, coaching, one of the reasons I, I loved it, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy I'm on the other side is it's really hard to be a coach now. And I think there's so many challenges that there weren't when I started out in coaching. And I, I give them a, a ton of respect for the work they do and the impact that they have on the student athletes. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly here to try to make their job a little easier. I hope I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You're also a senior woman administrator here. What does that role entail? I'm always about, you know, getting opportunities for, for women. And, and, you know, my experience as a student athlete, I was, you know, I hate to date myself, but I was at the tail end of the Title IX. I had an opportunity to get a scholarship to go to college and play. And, you know, I think that any opportunity for women to be involved, and certainly I'm not just supporting women i'm supporting all the athletes here but just a female perspective i think has been helpful um in my career so i you know hopefully a good resource for our student athletes great and then um well when people come to back to base what can some things they can expect to see maybe perhaps i mean everything it's, it sounds like you know we have some a golf outing for the men's basketball team starting out uh 
Obviously, there's a football game, there's soccer going on, there's a rowing a dedication on Sunday. So uh, we're going to recognize uh, both our men's and, row, men's and women's rowing team at halftime and a special uh, recognition for our Woman of the Year. So, you know, I think uh, a lot going on. Can't, you know, and, and just having even individual sports that are not in season or having alumni functions. So getting to see some of the, the you know, players coming back and, you know, reliving their glory days, is, it will be fun to see. You touched on that. Amelia Wilhelm just announced actually a few minutes ago one of the top nine finalists, so one of the top three in Division Three for NCAA Woman of the Year. That's pretty cool to see, isn't it? I wish I was here last year so I can take some credit for that, <laughs> but uh, so impressive and, you know, such a competitive group, and I think it's a true testament to, to Coach and his program. And Amelia, what a, you know, a standout, uh, obviously in the classroom and also on the, on the water. Uh, but I'm so proud of her, and, you know, I think she's, you know, a great honor for Bates, so I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm going to get the opportunity to go out to Indianapolis and see her get her award. So, um, you know, crossing my fingers that she she wins. But I tell you, just being selected from Bates and being in the NESCAC being selected, and then to, to whittle it down to three in the Division three, it, it really is amazing. So, so proud of her, and so lucky that I can kind of take a little bit of credit being at Bates. Um, but you know, really great honor for Bates. Excellent. Well, Celine Cunningham, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thanks for having me. The women's soccer team played Trinity very tough before falling 2-1 to one on Saturday. The Bobcats fell at Amherst 4-1 on Sunday, but they will get a chance to kick off back to Bates weekend in style when they host Connecticut College at 11 a.m. this Saturday. After falling to Middlebury on Friday, the volleyball team hosts the University of New England on Tuesday before visiting Hamilton and Williams this weekend. For the full back to Bates sports schedule, check out GoBatesBobcats.com. And of course, we will recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast.